partially overdosed on it. And I remember the feeling of just like my body shutting down and getting cold and what is up beautiful people i am lachlan samuel and this is the open up podcast the show that is making mental health mainstream the way we do that is we interview people about the deepest darkest most traumatic and challenging moments and periods of their life we go over what they went through how they overcome it any tips tools and tactics that they use to do so any lessons that they've taken away from that period in their life and then where they're at now how they've turned that pain into purpose. All I can say is that I'm just truly, truly grateful. And I absolutely believe that together, me and you, and the sharing of these stories, we will make mental health mainstream. Let's go. Welcome back to the Open Up Podcast, everyone. It's episode 94 with Stuart Watkins, and this is his intro that he said to use. Yoga teacher and dad. My man. Good man to be with here. the blue eyes. Yeah. Beautiful blue eyes. Oh, thank you, brother. <laughs> Good to be here. Uh, first question straight off the bat, we're going deep. Could you please describe the way that you view yourself as a man and/or human? Yeah father i love being a dad so that that is something i really identify with and take a lot of joy and i'm super grateful to have two sweet little daughters so yeah i feel like i am a good fun dad for one i'm a i'm a yoga teacher so i really enjoy that of bringing not just uh, awareness into the yoga practice as such but living a life in, in alignment and honestly and with integrity and and connection so I, I view myself as kind of a playful uh, people use the word authentic a lot yeah, yeah. i think i think i seem to be um at ease in my body right now and just living an authentic life so probably authenticity is what, what comes amazing. to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. beautiful. Yeah. This is a selfish question. Sure. Because I'm a dad as well, and I love being a dad. Yeah. Um, seeing as you touched on, like, being a dad being, I guess, an important or profound role within your life, not to delve too deeply into your story, but how has becoming a dad changed your life and changed the person that you are? Yeah. Massively, man. More than I ever thought possible. It's made me way more playful, for one. Kids have, the, have just that, that natural joy and spontaneity and playfulness. It's, it's reignited that in me. It's made me kind of paradoxically not take life too seriously. Yeah. At the same time, see the preciousness of life. So it's like um, taking life sincerely, but not so seriously. It's like, oh, wow, life is just precious. Seeing these little kids just innocent and radiant and playful. So it's like this sincerity of like, just got to cherish every day. At the same time, not taking it so fucking seriously, you know? Yeah. And just cherishing the moment having a good old play, having a laugh, at the same time grabbing life by the ball, so to speak, and just going for it, you know? It's really taken that to another level. Um, I want to know one from you as well, but I'll speak about one of the lessons that I've learned with my daughter, and that is that I snap far too quickly. So I get aggressive far too quickly, and it's something that I thought I'd worked through, and so when it arose again, I judged myself a lot, mm-hmm. and therefore I, I guess, kept that in. I didn't express it, and then I projected that anger out onto other people. And so one of the, the lessons that she's taught me is that I need to become a better person for her because I snapped at her, made her cry, and genuinely fearful, and it just broke my heart. It tore me apart inside to know that I did that to someone who's so innocent, such a beautiful soul. Mm. Is there a lesson 
that you can think of that jumps to mind first that you've learned? Yeah, totally, man. And I can relate. It's like they're, they're mirrors to us, you know? So if I'm like feeling snappy or just not present, grumpy, they, they magnify it straight away and kind of amplify it as well. That they, um, like if I'm not grounded and present or I'm just not feeling great, I'll be easily irritated by them for sure. So, I mean, that is my main yoga practice now, the yoga of parenting, you know, because they're these crystal clear mirrors. And if I'm not on my game, they'll show me. They'll tell me, they'll, they'll play up, they'll, they'll be much more irritable and chuck tantrums. But I find it again and again and again, like if I'm in my heart and present and paying attention to them, paying attention, um, they're sweet. And then I'm much more able to handle it when they're having a tantrum yeah. and I'm less, uh, less irritated and uh, less angry. So it's, it's a constant reflection back to like, where I'm at. So it's a, it's a practice of mindfulness, it's a practice of paying attention, of being honest with where I'm at. Yeah, it's awesome, but it can be challenging as well, you know? Like, it can be hard to be that honest about the situation and where we're at, and there they are just totally clear, reflecting it all right back to us, you know? It's just... just taking a good look at it. I've never looked at it like that, yeah. so I'm going to take that on board. Yeah, it's like looking at a mirror, you know, and it's a great, great reflection. Yeah. Uh, hey guys, just uh, want to take a quick second to give you a word from our sponsors. Hopefully, I'm wearing the same clothes I was back in that interview, but don't worry about it. We've got Made It Nutrition, that is plant-based supplements. Uh, they're all about the holistic, lifestyle, they're all about the mind, body and spirit and they're doing that through their high intensity body weight workouts as well as those plant-based supplements. Number two is CrossFit Long Haul, uh, the Good Times gym out in Maddington. Now what they do is they offer personal training. They obviously offer CrossFit group training um, and they will tailor your nutrition plan to help you achieve your goals and the reason that I've partnered with CrossFit Long Haul out there in Maddington is because I'm a friend of the owner, I know her, and she's all about that holistic approach as well, combining and intertwining the physical and the mental. So you'll be in good hands there, CrossFit Long Haul out of Maddington. Ciao. Let's dive right into your story, seeing as it starts around childhood. Are you happy walking us through? Sure, yeah, yeah. So, I had a great childhood, to be honest, it was a beautiful childhood, but there was this chronic anxiety. I was an anxious kid. I had a really hard time at school. I was just nervous about, I just remember every day feeling like sick with anxiety, wow. anxious to get shit wrong, anxious to lose, anxious of what people thought about me. And it was so strange because I was a pretty popular kid. Um, good at sports and all that, you wouldn't think it would be the recipe for anxiety, but it was, it was really bad. I remember going to the toilet and literally vomiting with anxiety, like pretty regularly, just wow. like, it was, it was crap, it wasn't fun. And I remember getting to like uh, year six, seven, and being excited to go to high school so I could finally start smoking weed. Because I became like around, nine or 10 became obsessed with grunge. I was deep in my grunge, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. And um, so the kind of grungy, drug-taking, skateboarding, punky kind of scene yeah. was really um, romantic to me. It was really glorified. So I couldn't wait to finally get to high school and just be able to start making my own decisions and start to party really. Like as soon as I got to high school, I was smoking weed for breakfast, during school, I'd wag school. We had um, a bong and bucket set up across the oval from our school and we'd wag every day, really, every day. It was a rare day that we didn't wag and 
go to what we, uh, the baseball nets and smoke buckets and just get so stoned and then go back to school. So um, that was, in retrospect, that was me like self-medicating this anxiety because I started to not be so anxious and I didn't give a shit and um, wasn't doing good at school, but I didn't give a shit. <laughs> All I was concerned about was going skateboarding, going surfing, listening to music and getting high. And um, that got really bad. That, I, I did go down a really deep, dark rabbit hole with that. Got to 14 and started taking harder drugs, a lot of speed and a lot of ecstasy and LSD, LSD and anything I could, you know. And um, it got really messy in, in the scene. Like people started getting really sick. Some people started going to like, um, there are a couple guys that ended up uh, in like mental institutions through like, like apparently being a like permanent psychosis, like the drugs sending them into permanent psychosis. And it just got really messy. And um, yet I was loving it, you know. Uh, I, I did love it. I loved starting, I started going to raves, like drum and bass raves and these kind of gothic type raves. And it just got really dark and the drug taking thing was just glorified like it was it was just normal normal just to get on these drug benders for days on end and looking back I was just a kid you know and um kind of a blessing in disguise came up it was shit at the time but a blessing in disguise came up when I was 15 I remember it quite the memory kind of started coming back later my memory was like wiped for a few months there. But um, what I think happened and what apparently happened through what other people have said is um, a few of us took this really bad uh, type of uh, ecstasy uh, that had like special K in it and horse tranquilizers and heroin and just... And um, I essentially like partially overdosed on it. And I remember the feeling of just like my body shutting down and getting cold. And, and um, the next thing I knew, I woke up in my room and just felt almost paralyzed, just this fog of depression and um, fatigue and really locked myself in the room, dark room for months. And it, it wasn't a fun time, it was crap. At the same time, I speak of the blessing in disguise because during that time, I felt this kind of inspiration bubbling up in me. I started feeling like, all right, you nearly, what felt like died. It felt like a kind of several out-of-body experiences of like witnessing the body and um, a lot of inspiration started coming in. And in that, in that time, while I was in my bedroom for a, a period there, I started listening to Tony Robbins and that sparked a chord it, it it sparked a real deep inspiration in me and I just became obsessed with Tony Robbins and started journaling and like getting affirmative and pumped at the same time uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer his more spiritual take on it all came into my life and um, started getting interested in nutrition and strength training and stuff like that so um, while I was in that kind of cave of well, it felt like really deep depression and kind of just paralyzed in the unknown. Um, weirdly, this kind of inspiration was bubbling. And literally, when I finally was able to get back to school, again, 15, like what the hell, I went from like prior to that time being this skinny, pale, I dyed my hair black at the time, like imagine like uh, long black hair, like kind of Marilyn Manson style, <laughs> Trent Reznor style. Uh, didn't look good, just like didn't look healthy at all. I look back on photos and yeah, look like a different person. And then I came back from that period and I'd started going to the gym and uh, moving the body and uh, I'd researched how to eat well, so I was starting to feed the body well and I turned up, literally people didn't recognize me. Didn't like, I was happy. I was inspired. I started doing good at school. I stopped smoking weed. I stopped taking all drugs um, still to this day, you know. Um, 
that was it. I, I kind of peaked early with my party, party times and then came back just like pumped on life. That's it was amazing. like... It was like a rebirth. It was like some, I, I kind of like died in that time. In a way, it was like a spiritual death. And then came back just pumped and grateful and like had vitality like that I'd never felt. And it's like all that anxiety that I grew up with has gone as well. Like I didn't give a shit in a good way. You know, I didn't give a shit what people thought. I wasn't preoccupied judging other people as well. Like it just kind of killed a whole lot of that bullshit and came back and wanted to learn and wanted to play sport again because I gave up all sport and just became fixated on partying and skateboarding and surfing. Came back and just wanted to have friend, proper friendships and wanted to just do good stuff, you know, not just waste my life away. So yeah, that, that was really my childhood into teenagehood yep. that had a few variables, you know, it was charged times, you know. That's a lot yeah. to deal with yeah. by 15. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. When you're, when you're talking about the drug use, I was thinking in my head, yep, cool, 19, 20, no. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy, you know, it like is. when I look back and now I have kids and that like on the developing brain, you know, at, Young teens, I mean, 12, 13, 14, and then like peaking at 14, 15, it's crazy. Were you, were you able to be open about your drug use or was that something you had to hide? No, I hid it and I hid it very well. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. um, wearing that sort of mask takes a toll. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. have an understanding of how hiding that, which was something so prevalent in your life, impacted you moving forward? No, because I, I, I got very honest about it later. Okay. So I, I definitely came to terms with it and kind of joke about it. There's, I don't feel there's, there's any hang-ups about it. Um, when I talk about it with my parents, you know, they, they, they admit that they were just incredibly naive. Like they had maybe one puff of a joint their whole life, you know? Yeah. So didn't know the symptoms. They just thought I was a teenager going through, you know, the melancholy times that, that many teenagers do. And, and I guess I, I functioned pretty well, strangely. So um, I guess it's not like I was trying to hide it because it's pretty fucking obvious. <laughs> yeah. But they just didn't know. Yeah. Um, not that they were negligent or anything. They were just incredibly naive and admittedly, like, it's no, like if they're listening to this, it's no surprise we talk about it still to this day, like what a trippy time that was. And like, um, and that was, that was the norm of the high school I went to, good old Mount Lawley High back in the day. It was crazy, you know, a lot of gang behavior, a lot of just grungy, crazy behavior. The, the smoking group on the Oval was the biggest group on the Oval and there was a cloud of smoke above it and um, it, it was all in plain sight. Yeah. Yet uh, that kind of behavior, I don't think it would be accepted now. You know, I, no, I really don't. Um, but it was, I mean, I was even caught with like a joint hanging out of my pot. No, I was caught smoking weed in the, in the toilets by a teacher. And um, it was blatantly obvious. I smelt like it. He caught me. And uh, it just didn't do anything, you know. So it was all in plain sight. It's not like I was actively hiding it. It just felt like a different time, you know. Yeah. Being a kid, especially that young, going through, I guess, that severe anxiety experience, we are like, literally vomiting quite frequently. Do you have an understanding of how that come about in mm -hmm. someone so young? Now I do with like the understanding of the nervous system and yoga, like the gut, like we all know the feeling when we've got knots in our gut, you know, yeah. when we're nervous about something, anxious about, we feel it in our gut. And it was really just that at a really intense level, you know, and the gut just churning and not having any tools to manage it and not, I mean, a lot of kids get medicated now to manage it, you know, that's 
one way, but I think a shitty way. And so it was like, it was unattended to. So it was just like, just like, and I, I, I know that feeling and, and it's right in here, this nervous system clenching. And um, yeah, just didn't have any capacity to deal with it. My diet was shit. Like I was just a sugared up kid. So like the yo-yoing from like being sugared up to the max with my 10 wheat bix and Fruit Loops and just tablespoons of white sugar in the morning and then be like not having any f- capacity, any like concentration. I thought I had ADD. I wanted to be diagnosed with ADD because I was just like, I can't focus. I'm constantly like hungry and yo-yoing. I think it was partially the sugar thing too. Yeah. Just sugared up like crazy. I wouldn't have that much sugar in like a week what I had for breakfast then. <laughs> so um, I do have an understanding of it now. I, I think, you know, yeah. um, poor diet, no tools to manage the stress, no kind of conversation around it. And um, just I thought I was a freak. I thought I was the only one going through it. So just wasn't comfortable talking about it. So I just abort mission when it was happening. I just um, either... I wouldn't go to school a lot. I'd just tell my parents I was sick and they're softies. So they, um, they just let me have all these sick days. So I, was, I, wag, I didn't go to school a lot. And then I wagged school a lot. Um, and regularly would abort and go to the toilet and just, just be either like crying or vomiting. Like it was, it was pretty bad. It was really not comfortable, you know. Yeah. But there was something in it that... Um, was birthing this kind of uh, kind of clarity that I have around it now, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. It's a hard position to be in as a kid, not understanding what's happening to you. And like you said, you just wanted to be diagnosed with this to have some sort of explanation as to like why you felt the way you did. It's a hard spot to be in. Did you, did you find it hard to fit in at all? Is someone experiencing nah, that? That's the weird thing because I was... I was one of the popular kids. I was one of, uh, like, I did good at sport. Like, on the exterior, like, it, it wouldn't have looked like there was any reason to be anxious, really. That's, yeah. that's what's bizarre. Um, I didn't feel smart. I didn't feel, I felt, like, really stupid. That was part of it. Like, just can't pay attention. I just... You just can't pay attention. And um, that, that was the main thing. But I did fit in. I did fit in. Had lots of friends. It was just the learning thing. Like, I hated my teachers. Like, I just... I remember, um, like, dreaming of, like... And I've heard other people talk about a similar situation. I thought I was crazy at the time of, like, dreaming. <laughs> like, fuck, I, I hope my teacher, like has a heart attack and dies like literally thinking that and like because I just hated the teacher just thought they were the devil and like and um is that for picking on you because of that yeah I mean looking back there were a few teachers that I think were pretty shitty teachers you know like really making me feel like crap for not knowing the right like had some good teachers, but for the most part, a lot of the teachers were pretty crap. So I was just like, fuck, I hope they just like die, <laughs> which is <laughs> horrible to admit. But um, since hearing an, a, a few other people that are healthy, you know, sane people <laughs> admit that they had similar um, daydreams of like, fuck, I hope the teacher dies. Or like even to the point where like, I hope the school bus rolls over so we can't go to school and everyone like can't go to school oh my god (laughs) shit like that like i just i hated teachers i hated the learning experience so um yeah it was it was really strange because i enjoyed friendship i was very social wasn't awkward in that way at all i don't think can't think of it um but the learning situation was just not enjoyable at all yeah yeah when you're, I guess you've nearly overdosed, you've locked yourself in this room, you said you've gone into this 
depressed state. Do you remember the story you were telling yourself about what was happening to you and what you were feeling? No, not really. It was kind of like, now that I've familiarized with like deep meditation states, Mm -hmm. as what like Buddhists would refer to as the void, it felt like, I mean, at the time, it felt like emptiness, just like empty, nothing. Um, nothing. Just like, so it, it was a depressed state, but looking back, it was this kind of empty, clean slate, and that's where the inspiration came in. But at the time, no, it was just like nothing. Like, on the verge of like, I don't give a crap if I die, you know? Like, it was just that empty that detached from my human experience. It didn't get to the suicidal point, but was pretty close to like, I just don't give a shit if I live or die. Just there there wasn't the inspiration yet. It was just like darkness, just void. Was there any guilt and shame in that at all? Nah, void, nothing. nothing. Wow. Yeah. Nothing. That's profound, especially that young. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think I'd kind of gotten used to that through getting so stoned. Like, just, there's no need to smoke that much. You know, just like, (laughs) okay, you're high, awesome, but then, like, we just keep smoking until, like, nothing. You know, so I kind of got used to that. So I just, it wasn't, it wasn't really a dramatic time. There wasn't shame. There, it, there wasn't even really like tears of depression. It was just like, whew. yeah, really strange. Well, yeah. as a kid who hated learning, who hated that, I guess, education system and being a part of it, being in your room, finding Tony Robbins, Dr. Wayne Dyer, do you feel like that was a transition period for you to learn in your own time and space totally. to then reintegrate? Yeah, big time. I got the nutrition piece down. That was huge. Had the kind of spiritual influence of Wayne Dyer and then the kind of motivation of Tony Robbins. Again, I went back to school, was a different person, started enjoying learning, started enjoying being wrong, which was completely new to me. Like a lot of the anxiety prior to that was this huge fear like of being wrong, of not getting the answers right, of feeling like I was the only one that didn't know the answer so I would never like put my hand up like I don't know. All of a sudden I just became really comfortable with like not knowing, wanting to learn and it just became... A real joy, like I loved being at school, I, I, I loved listening to the teachers, my perception of that whole experience totally shifted. Um, yeah, so it took a while, Yeah, it took a while to finally get out of that dark room and just go for it. So the integration process, I guess, looking back, it was very quick. But it was a gradual, at the time, it was a gradual thing. It was a gradual thing of just building up the strength, the vitality, the confidence to just go for it. But once I did, there was this kind of momentum and vitality that was really strong. Yeah. Do you have an understanding of how specifically you transition from someone who was worried about being wrong um, was worried about being in, the, in that environment who was anxious and to someone who accepted themselves so much that they didn't care what people thought mm-hmm. because for most people, that's probably an issue. Yeah. So what's the question? I'll just try and be a bit uh, clear with it. So, no, that's right. Yeah. It's, how did you go from someone who was anxious and worried about what people thought to then uh, yeah. going back to school as someone right. who didn't care what anyone Sort of yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, it did, like I, like I touched upon, it felt like a rebirth. So it literally felt like that old me that used to be so self-conscious and insecure and 
anxious had died. Like I literally felt like a new person. So advice to create that. Um, one's got to get really responsible and like take accountability, you know? Like, because we can't, we can't, I mean, we can hit rock bottom, but we don't need to. We don't need to. I think there's a like a presumption that, okay, like, okay, Stu like hit rock bottom when he was 15 and came back inspired. A lot of people don't hit rock bottom and they're kind of just humming in this kind of mediocrity, kind of uh, complacency, middle ground of, um, of not, not fully being inspired yet not being at rock bottom, you know? So, uh, which is fine. It can just give people, not give people the excuse, but like leave people un, uninspired, unmotivated to just go for it and like just go for it in life and give up old stories and all that. So one's got to be really accountable and just take responsibility for their life and, and seek out the tools, seek out the conversations, um, ask for help. And for me, uh, having, a, having a practice, you know, having a daily practice of, of checking in, am I, am I being honest with like my life and am I being grateful and if I'm not being grateful like am I am I facing my shit you know so one can't like intentionally bring in that kind of hitting of rock bottom that 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 kind of thing spontaneous yeah you know that's this kind of fierce grace that happens for many of us you know many people that have near-death experiences express that but a lot of people that have near-death experiences it doesn't have that effect or um, just a really, uh, a really fierce like breakup could be the impetus to like wake someone up and go, all right, fuck, like have my heart broken and it sucks. But for some people, that's the that catapults them into inspiration and giving up old patterns and old behaviors. For some people, that gets them in a in a in a rut for their whole life, you know. So it's different for everyone. It's so different for everyone. So like in terms of advice, um, that's why I love like one-on-one -on -one with people. Like a lot of my uh, yoga teaching and that I do one-on-one -on -one because everyone's so individual. And like yeah. for, for, for one person, a shitty situation could be inspiration for another. It just puts them in a deep, dark hole. And you've got to be specific to that person, you know. Some people need a Tony Robbins-style motivation to get some momentum in their life. Some people need to go on a Vipassana, like 10-day silent meditation to get really quiet and connected to what's true. Some people need to go to an ecstatic dance and dance like crazy. Like Everyone's different. And... Um, some people need to, like, to see a, a therapist or there's so many variables. So I think one needs to tune in to like where they're at, give up like denial. That's a big one, you know, like just very common for us men as well. Like just sweep all our kind of, all our shitty habits under the kind of rug of denial, so to speak, and just like just cover it up with alcohol and, uh, you know, boozy weekends and talking about sport, like, which is all f well and good, but often can really just cover um, crappy patterns and self-sabotaging yeah. patterns. So like vulnerable conversations like what you're doing, you know, and just getting honest with our hang-ups and our addictions and where we're self-sabotaging and whatever we're feeling could help us at that time just diving in and going for it, you know? And um, we're not the only one. There's a whole movement around it now. It's becoming way more talked about, way more acceptable, way more supported. So it's, a, it's an exciting time in, in that way, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question about that part of the story before we move on. Yeah. I know you said there was a void, but was there ever any hint that you can think of of... I guess, what am I doing with my life? How did I get to this point where I nearly overdosed? Mm -hmm. 
like looking back from now or at the time was a was a inquiry uh, looking back now can you see any yeah. any hints of that i mean i'm grateful for it now like it, it was crap but looking back now what well, 20 something years um i'm grateful for that you know it it shook me to my core it i think expanded my mind and made me be more empathetic and compassionate and grateful and i mean a lot of uh a lot of friends that really didn't kind of hit rock bottom during that phase kept taking drugs and some ended up in jail some some ended up dead um rest in peace you know blessings to them and their family um and a lot of for a lot of them it just continued on you know and didn't have the blessings in it that i experienced so um yeah i'm i'm looking back at it i'm grateful at the same time uh i know it's not healthy and like having two kids i like and my wife went pretty hard as well so we're like we we know it, all the signs and <laughs> symptoms and i i would not wish it upon my kids to go through that at the same time it was such a valuable part of like my growth and development in such a strange way a mysterious way that you can't plan on it you don't want it but um my teacher ramdas calls it like fierce grace you know it's not like beautiful grace and all fluffy and lovely but it was this kind of fierce grace of like okay you nearly fucking died and you feel like shit now what are you going to do like you're alive you got this body like come on like wake up don't take life for granted and bring in some joy and some inspiration so i'm grateful for it really awesome. it was a huge and even the party times like it was fun like the way, reason i kept doing it it was fun <laughs> i was having threesomes at 13 and 14 and 15 i was having a great time <laughs> and um and after that i haven't felt the need to party like i just went so hard yeah that nothing i just don't feel the need i don't feel the need to get high get drunk like every now and then I'll have a few drinks now there's there's just such moderation around it and I feel so good now even when I do have a few um it doesn't feel as good as just being like playing with my kids or going for a surf or doing some yoga or like just being being alive you know um so it really kicked my ass into having this kind of balance uh post that you know do you feel like being someone now who enjoys playing with their kids more than that feeling of being drunk or taking drugs is due to having worked through or processed a lot of the stuff that you're trying to escape with alcohol and drugs yeah yeah i mean it, it was a continuum i mean again deep gratitude to the yoga practice which continues to release and like burn up things like selfishness and being distracted you know we're also distracted with our phones and technology and there's just countless distractions now so um it served a purpose in that and then it's been a continuous process for sure like every every daily practice helps me continue to quiet the mind and cultivate gratitude and connection and then i'm just i'm i'm more present for them you know and then can go back to the practice again and just keep just keep transforming continue that's awesome yeah let's fast forward to the next part of your story walk us through that one yeah so um so after that i got a, after high school i went straight into getting a certification for personal training which is great and I was just loving it I was um I was becoming like self-sufficient and like quite successful with it and again continuing the kind of health and fitness 
thing which I was becoming just quite uh, experienced with and ended up um, kind of running my own business in a way at quite a young age and it was a great experience, you know, and even during that, it was really cool being one-on-one -on -one with all these really successful people that I was looking up to, like CFOs and entrepreneurs and just people rolling in cash and because um, generally it's uh, people that have enough money to sp spend on a personal trainer, yeah. get a personal trainer and I was just, I was in Subiaco and it was just that type of clientele and I grew up um, in a kind of scene of like idolizing the wealthy, you know, yeah. idolizing the wealthy and aspiring, not even aspiring, like it was out of our reach, you know, it was them, like they're, they're God, the rich and famous are God. And, and then all of a sudden I'm surrounded by them, you know, and even quite well-known people and, and just seeing that they, most of them weren't happy and were seeking this kind of joy and happiness that they weren't. I, ha I had this preconceived notion that they, they must be. Yep. They're beautiful looking and they're, they've got all this money, and, but they weren't. So I was going through the, the personal training thing, which was great, and getting to know people really deeply, like getting to know the human experience and holy shit, these people aren't actually happy. And then um, just kept going down that road and I was also witnessing all the personal trainers, not all, but a lot, looking very healthy and fit, but taking all, the, all these uh, monster drinks galore and tubs of diet yogurt that was just protein and artificial sweeteners and um, just really un, like some of the most unhealthy people, but they were ripped and shredded and like yeah. all that, the superficial qualities of health and fitness. But so that was starting to magnify the gap, the, the gaps in the health and fitness realm. And I, I was over caffeinating as well, just kind of in that game. And during that time, I, um, I took off on a trip and um, lived in Canada for a few years. And I, th I saw in Toronto, and I saw it even another level there, like people were just working from 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. and just caffeine and playing, working hard, playing hard, like big yeah. time. And the drugs thing came into my scene again. I was, I was like, all the personal trainers that I was becoming friends with were all partying so hard. And I actually did go into it for a bit there. I did. There was like, I'd had about 10 plus years off the booze and off the drugs and then just kind of slid back into it a bit. Nowhere near like what I did as a teenager, but it, it was around again. And I felt more aware and tuned in. And I was starting to feel like with all the caffeine and the occasional partying, this um, chronic fatigue building up and it got really bad actually this adrenal fatigue chronic fatigue just started to build up this kind of depressive state again that got really bad and I, I, I got to a point again where just depressed and uh, and fatigued and took a whole bunch of time off off work uh, I was in a long-term relationship I, I just left her took off in, on this trip to Greece and um, partied like crazy for a week and just got really sick, like coughing constantly, um, chronically fatigued. Like I was just stupid. It's like I was trying to hit rock, pot rock bottom again, <laughs> like unconsciously, like trying to create another kind of rock bottom because that's what happened. Like I was trying to just have fun and go on this trip with the, with the guys and, um, and celebrate life, but I was doing it in such a stupid way and I knew I was done with that. Yep. It's like I brought it in for one last like hurrah of like, come on, you had so much fun with it back in the day. Like, just, just, they're all doing it. All the personal trainers are doing it. Your boys are doing it. Like, just, just do it. I just got really sick. Like, again, felt like I was going to die from this cough. I think it was um, a lot of 
we're in EOS and people were calling it the EOS cough. Everyone had this fucking oh, cough. And I just kept going harder and harder, even though I had this cough. And we just kept traveling around and partying and this cough just got worse and worse and worse. Ended up in my, uh, finally flying back home. Same spot I was in at 15, just in my room. Ugh, in this dark cave again. And that's where yoga... I was dabbling in yoga prior to that. And that's where yoga just like just exploded into my life. I'm like, oh, this is what I need to fill in all those gaps that I was finding in the health and fitness industry because I'd, I'd become successful in it. I was doing what everyone else was doing in the scene at the time. I don't know what it's like now. I'm not really in it. And... Um, Yeah, again, I kind of unconsciously created the burnout again. I partied even though I was like, I was done with it. I wasn't even having fun with it. It was just like, yeah. it was really strange. Looking back on it, it was just completely either unconscious or a conscious attempt to just get everything to bottom out again. It was really weird. But that just happens, though, especially, like I see this a lot with people mm. who use negativity from others to fuel their achievements. Right. What I say to them is like, if you're taking that negativity and using it as fuel, once you achieve, you're going to look for that sort of negativity again. So you're just always going to be attracting that. Yeah. And it sounds like it's the same for you. you yeah. Needed, you needed that negative motivator to get back into that position. Yeah. How did you feel being back there? Was there any judgment um, towards yourself for being back in that, that room and feeling the same? After being someone who'd gone through the PT scene and been working with wealthy clients yeah you know there actually was because i knew better i knew better and i was feeling so good so it was this stupid self-sabotage it really was because i knew better so there actually was a bit more shame around it and self-judgment because i knew better yeah at the same time i just did it and I knew I had to end this long-term relationship. I was trying to exit that, didn't know how to, didn't really have the balls to do it consciously. So I just fucked myself up and, and wrote myself off. And again, it had blessings in disguise in it. Even that, even though it was so unconscious and so stupid, there I was again in this kind of cave of darkness. And the, the revelations of yoga just were, were blatantly obvious. I started really... Again, I was dabbling in yoga, like I, I was doing like a power yoga type thing because I was just obsessed with um, power at that time, you know, just getting strong and powerful and um, just that whole thing. So I was doing vinyasa, power vinyasa yoga, which is good, all for it. But for me, I needed something soothing and nourishing and quietening. I didn't need more yeah. power and more sweat I needed to slow the fuck down and pay attention so in that dark cave the, the, the deeper aspects of yoga started blossoming I started really studying it and going deep with the yoga practice so that was the next chapter of like just burning out the whole PT thing taking that just to the to the edge and it was a good time like I got to know the body really well I, um, I got to know nutrition really well. I got to know people really well of like, like the shadows of people and this aspiring for material success and superficial perfection. At the same time, no one being happy. And everyone was just looking forward to the weekend to get fucked up. And I was just like, I bought into it for a bit. And it just got really magnified like that, that whole game, that, that, how seductive it is, you know? And it just became clear as daylight, like, okay, I'm fully done with it, you know? Like, and, um, and that was the next chapter of just going so deep into the gems of yoga. And that's really continued on to this day, like uh, a continuous unfoldment of further releasing old limiting stuff and um, allowing my true potential to keep expanding and yeah that's where we're at now you know that's beautiful man yeah one last question about that story you touched on 
I think you said didn't have the balls to break up with your partner at the time. Mm-hmm. Were you a pleaser at all? Oh, totally, man. Totally. Yeah, I mean, and that stems all the way back to not wanting to be wrong. Wow. Like, I didn't want to be wrong because I wanted to please the teacher. So weird. Please and the teachers that you didn't like. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that's been a huge theme in my life, you know, and it's still there. I can, I can see it in me now. It's just much more faint. I'm much more aware of it. But it, it, it definitely runs deep in my family, that, that deep conditioning of like being a people pleaser and, um, and not having trouble having those tougher conversations, like a breakup conversation. Just couldn't have it. And instead, just wanted to please, but then run away and just make it worse, you know? It just gets worse rather than just like looking at the issue head on and facing it, you know? So totally a people pleaser thing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How, I guess for anyone who has heard of yoga, because most people would have, Someone who's heard of yoga, who's considering it, but isn't too sure what to expect from it. How would you, um, I guess, describe it to them and yeah. the benefits that they'll receive from yoga? Yeah, well, um, for starters, there's so many different, you could say, flavors of yoga. <laughs> um, you could say the most like popularized and available type of yoga would be vinyasa flow or hot yoga, which is good, but it's not for me. Yeah. Like I kind of, I did that aspect of movement and um, phys- physicality. I, I did that and um, it had benefits for me. Mm-hmm. But for me, like my approach to yoga, the way I teach, the way I practice is more working with the breath it's working with the body moving the body and addressing any accumulated like tightness or weakness or or stagnation and and moving the body intelligently and holistically that's good learning to move the body intelligently because a lot of us like um you know on a think of like running on a treadmill or pounding the pavement it's a very linear movement you know which is good but you do it again and again and again, and imbalances can arise. So the beautiful thing about the, uh, a good, smart uh, yoga practice, asana, like the, the movements are called asanas, uh, is it moves the body in a very holistic way. The front of the body moves, the back of the body moves, you're twisting, you're laterally, like you're moving it in every direction, yeah. which can really help address a lot of the imbalances we can accumulate in our body just from sitting too much. Stretch the hip flexors, open the chest. That is good. Um, so, but what I get more interested in is working with the breath and the mind because our breathing patterns go in correlation with the mind. Yeah. So if we're breathing really, like most of us are breathing like, you know, like one sixteenth of a proper breath, tiny and we wonder why we can't pay attention, you know? So like relearning how to breathe properly. And as soon as we can relearn and integrate how to breathe properly, we've got more mastery of what we do with our mind. So that's what I'm way more interested in is like relearning harmonious patterns of breathing to help unblock uh, old patterns, like old psychological patterns that's a big part of it as well so like for example being a people pleaser or any kind of pattern that's like deeply seated in our psyche in yoga that's called a samskara it's like a groove in the mind that forms like an addiction we're like we want to change but we're addicted to a way of being so we address that addiction and we put breath into it and we put like mantra and sound, like making therapeutic sound is a powerful way to do it. So what to expect? That's a wide <laughs> menu, you know. It depends what class you walk into. It could be a sweaty, sexy, just pumping class with loud music on. 
I mean, there's everything now from hip hop yoga to wow. beer. Yeah, there's so much. And, yoga you know, with goats. Yeah, the yoga with goats. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, 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 for a while there, I was kind of judgmental of a lot of these kind of newer fatty types of yoga arising. Mm -hmm. But I, I've kind of relaxed on my stance on a lot of these fad things that are popping up in yoga because, you know, it's getting a lot of people into the body, into working with the breath, into the yoga experience that just wouldn't otherwise. Like yeah. the way I teach definitely isn't for everyone. Like some people just wouldn't want to do that on their Saturday, Sunday afternoon. You know, because some people aren't ready to face like... Um, getting triggered you know like yeah. I, i'm kind of fierce in the way i teach i'm like okay if you've got some shit you're dealing with let's face it you know and it's done in a loving way but kind of fierce like if not now when you know and it's like let's just go for it let's just go deep and face our limiting patterns and put breath there and put movement there and put mantra there and let's wake up like now you know yeah. um so rather than it being like let's just have fun and like move to music, which is great, but you can kind of go to the gym for that, you know? For me, the yoga is like, let's wake up now, you know? And let's open our hearts now and let's burn up any bullshit that keeps like having us close our heart and having us chronically distracted. So for me, that's where it's at. Again, like we're so distracted in the modern day it, it, for me, is an opportunity to really discharge all that distraction, get real, get present, and continue the awakening process, you know? That's amazing. Mm. Vinyasa was one of the modalities that I feel saved my life while I was working a four-in-one roster. Luckily enough, we had yoga out there. Oh, cool. And so we were doing vinyasa every night, every morning, every night. That's great. And I feel like that that was something that really aligned me with myself, maybe for the first time. Really calmed down the mind, allowed me to process um, how I was interacting with other people and how I was interacting with myself. So I've got a lot of respect for yoga practices. Yeah, that's great to hear. I think we've got about 10 minutes and I really want to cover everything that you're doing at the moment. Mm -hmm. Because it seems like you've got a lot on your plate. Yeah, everything. Everything I'm doing, uh, like what I'm offering in terms of like... Uh, what, what you're I'm... offering in terms of services, you yeah. got a book out, you got a podcast. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, um, so during most weeks, I, I, I do several like one-on-ones a day. I do private, so I enjoy... And th this comes from like PT days of really enjoying working one-on-one. -on -one. So I apply the yoga... To, in a one-on-one -on -one environment, which I really enjoy. I've so I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So it, people find it really helpful because we can personalize it, you know, and really get specific. And sometimes people just rock up and they're just talking, you know, kind of like almost like what you do going, going to see a therapist. And a lot of people just want to be heard, you know. A lot of people just want someone to listen and pay attention. So sometimes I'm just listening for an hour or two and just listening to someone. But more often than not, we'll bring in some yoga principles, of, again, working with the breath, working with therapeutic movement. And I, I love doing it in a one-on-one -on -one way. So yeah. that's a lot of what I do. I do like a, a workshop type thing every, every couple weeks when I'm in Fremantle. That's either at Spunda or at the yoga lab down the road. Or I, I do it all over the place. I've got one coming up in um, 21st of September. That's in Wembley at Mind, Body, Heart. So I, I love them. That's like a three-hour kind of journey. Yeah. You know, it's a three-hour journey um, giving us time to really not only have a, a wonderful, deep, heart-opening experience, but then working on ways to integrate it. And like rather than it being like an escape, we, we can really sharpen our tools, so to speak, to help us bring it into every aspect of life, you know? So I'll do that every couple of weeks. My family and I, we travel quite a bit. So we're off on another trip early November. 
back to California and Hawaii. Wow. So we spend a bit of time over there, which is really cool. And Mexico, we're developing like a, um, an advanced training for teachers. A lot of teachers have been reaching out that have done a teacher training or two, but they're interested in taking their yoga practice to a, a, a deeper place. So we're, we're developing a training for that, for teachers that want to just take it into deeper places. What else has got? Yeah, the podcast. I'm loving that, you know. It's one of my most wonderful, like, practices. Again, it's one-on-one. Yeah. You get to hear people's stories and, and pick apart, like, like you're doing, the tools that can really help people integrate these tools. And it's great to hear other people's stories and relate, you know. Um, it's really exciting, this whole podcast thing of, like, open long conversation to hear other people's stories and hear those journeys without the kind of script or just raw honesty. So I really love doing that as well. That's really cool. Have you found uh, much growth in the way that you connect with people through the podcast? Because that's been the most uh, profound thing for me is I was someone who never had the ability or could never force myself to keep eye contact because where I'm from, if you make eye contact, that means you want to fight. Yeah. And so eye contact was very hard for me. And through <laughs> podcasting, I've learned to do that. And I've learned to actually listen. Right. Because I was someone who always needed to talk about myself. Yeah, totally. Same. The eye contact thing I had worked on prior. But it took it to another level doing the yeah. podcast. Like, it just took it to another level. I, like, I like to bring into my yoga workshops like, long, silent, eye-gazing meditation. Nice. So it's like 20 minutes to half an hour. You're just wow. sitting like closer than this, like knee to knee, like right there, just boo. And like you, people go into some tr- pretty trippy places, you know, no script, nothing to talk about, you know, like <clears throat> even this kind of back and forth, it's beautiful. But then like the silent gaps, yeah. I love the silent gaps. doesn't work so well in a podcast because... <laughs> What do you listen to? The silent girl is just all meditate. But um, it, it challenges people in a beautiful way. Challenges me. The eye contact thing as well. Yeah. Uh, my wife actually gave me shit when we first met because she found it almost too much how much eye contact I was giving her, like just wide open eye contact. Like threatening. Yeah. <laughs> kind of what you're talking about. Like, do you want to fight or are you coming on to me? Or what's going on? And... Um, and my comfort of silence, like she was like, yeah, you didn't talk much. You like seemed really blissful in the silence. And that was strange to her, you know. Yeah. So I enjoy that, like just being able to be together without a beer or a phone or in our, in our hands, without anything in our hands, without any kind of script without anything to talk about can we just like hang out you know i love that and the open-eyed meditation for like 20 minutes or longer is an awesome practice for that that i love but yeah the podcasting thing the art of listening is a continuous refinement for me not always needing to butt in and be um preoccupied with my response which is pretty common i think yeah needing to like one up the other person's yes. uh, dialogue. Just listening. Listening is huge. Yeah. That's awesome. A um, couple quick questions before we wrap up. Yeah. Knowing everything that you've been through so far, you've been through a lot, especially at 15 years old, what would you say the quality of your life is like now? I'm so grateful, man. Life's, life's so good. Um, I'm really lucky. You know, I've got two healthy, beautiful daughters a beautiful wife and um, I kind of pinch myself at that because prior to meeting Joe, I, did, I didn't think I was going to be a family man. I wasn't, well, yeah, I didn't think I was. A, I had a couple, after leaving that long-term uh, relationship that I was telling you about earlier, I was like, yeah, I'm probably just going to be a single yogi for the rest of my life. And I was quite happy with that. I was quite content. And um, that would have been sweet. Sure. Beautiful. But I'm so glad I um, kind of did that inner work during those single few years there. Yeah. 
of just being comfortable in my own skin, being okay with not having sex and not partying, like just being okay in like nothing, just like the ordinary stuff of life, you know? Yeah. Being like content in the ordinariness of life was huge for me. And then when I met Joe, I was like, fuck, like, well, like we knew very quickly um, we were going to make babies together. <laughs> and um, I didn't see it coming. Didn't see it coming at all. I didn't put any intention into that. It was just came up in front of me. And I'm so grateful I was like receptive to it and like ready, you know, because now I feel like a really good husband, a really good dad. At the same time, um, I don't feel um, like a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people say to me, like, don't feel like it kind of confines your freedom, you know, because that's pretty common in the yoga scene yeah. and the kind of spiritual scene, quote unquote, of like trying to create freedom from, you know, and, and having no ties, no responsibilities. And, and, and I get that, you know, and just like being in this position right now of having a shitload of responsibilities yet feeling freer than I ever have feels really beautiful and balanced and it feels kind of like a, a balance of like the traditional like uh, family life, you know, the wife and the kids and that whole thing, which I really didn't see coming. At the same time, this kind of um, free-flowing, um, spontaneous life. So I'm really grateful, man. Life's so good. I'm, I'm healthy. The family's healthy. We're able to travel. There's a kind of spontaneity to our lives. Yeah, life's good, man. That's beautiful. Mm. Uh, I guess to wrap up, I just want to acknowledge you first of all for making time to do it, do this, knowing how much you've got on your plate. Uh, secondly, knowing you've been through, taking the pain, turning it to purpose. just how grateful I am that you're in birth doing what you're doing. Likewise, brother. Yeah, I love what you're doing as well. Good work. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here. Now, before I let you go, you beautiful, beautiful human, I just want to say I hope that you liked that episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please make sure that you share it with your friends, your family, anyone that you think or feel will benefit from listening to the story of vulnerability, the story of courage, the story of overcoming struggle. Now, if you haven't already, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're on Instagram, you already know that you sleep in my fridge, inside joke. And please, if you can, subscribe to us on YouTube or give us that five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever podcast platform or app that you use. It'll go a long, long way to helping us make mental health mainstream and getting these stories, these stories of courage into the mainstream. Thank you all guys. Ciao.